Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Everybody enjoy their Thanksgiving holiday. Jeremy, I feel like I'm really, really loud. Am I? Okay. There. That's a little bit better. That's a little bit better. Um, so let me start over. Everybody enjoy their Thanksgiving holiday? No, I see head shaking. No. Um, how many people went out of town to visit relatives? How many people have relatives come into town? Okay. How many people next year are saying, next year I'm going to find a hotel where no one knows where I am, and I'm just going to go there, right? There are people, there are people like that. And then there's, there's everything in between. You ever ask yourself why we do that? Why do we do it? Now, for those of you who enjoyed it, so I love having family, and the more family, the better. Bring them, bring them all, get them around me. Or, or who enjoy going to visit family, if, if that's you, then great. You know exactly why you do it. But there's a large number of people who don't necessarily love it. They do it every year, but they don't necessarily love it. And so for both sides of, of, of that issue there, this message is for you. I'm going to talk about traditions today. It's... Uh, we're in that odd time where every now and then as we finish one bigger series and go into another one, there might be a week in between or something. This is that in-between week, right? And you can see if we were a ship, we'd be listing this way because look at all these people over here. So, but um, people are traveling, things like that going on. And, and, and Gabe and I were traveling. We went to New Mexico to visit her mother uh, down there. And, and it was a great time. But man, it just throws your world off, doesn't it? It just like, okay, the things, that, the ways I normally do messages, I can't. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try and write this message on a tablet while I'm sitting at a kitchen table with a little bit of light, and you know, and and things happen for a reason. But every now and then, you have to examine like, why are we doing this, right? Especially if there's no life in it for you, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes things that there used to be life in for you, all of a sudden there isn't anymore. And we have to start looking at like why, why are we hanging on to this tradition? Why are we doing this if it just doesn't bring life to anybody? Now I'm going to address what many of you probably haven't even noticed at all, but to me it's the elephant in the room. I'm wearing a Bronco jersey. It's the first time I've ever done that. First time I've ever done that. And the reason is it's a message illustration, right? So the message illustration is this. Years ago, many of you probably remember how there were some political issues surrounding NFL football, right? And that sucked the joy out of it for a lot of people. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting my attention and my money and all this into something where people are just protesting the values that I hold dear and all of a sudden, it's this big teaching, learning, divisive thing rather than just, I'm just having fun. And I was one of those people that at first, I'm like, you know, I'm done. I'm done with football. I'm not doing that anymore. And then I started to think about it. Why am I letting the enemy steal that joy from me? 
That has been a part of my life. It's, been, it's drawn my family together for as long as I can remember. My family may go long periods of time without ever talking to each other, but during Bronco season, every Sunday, I know where we all are. And so I thought, you know, I'm not going to let the enemy steal that away. I'm going to continue to do that. And I'm going to focus on why I do it, not why other people don't or why other people do or what they think. I'm going to focus on why I do it. And it gives me joy. And it brings my family together. And that really at the core is what traditions ought to be. If it doesn't give you joy, why are we doing it? If it causes death and division and arguments and strife and things like that, why are we doing it? If there's no meaning behind it, either way, if it's lukewarm, doesn't give me joy, but it doesn't, I could take it or leave it, why are we doing it? So the point of this whole message, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, is we need to focus on the things that matter let aside the things that don't matter and really, really be intentional. The enemy wants you to go through life totally willy-nilly without being intentional about anything. Don't think about it too much. Don't put too much in it. Just, just get through the day. That's not where we're called to be. We are called to be intentional about what we do and why we do it because it matters. Whether we know it or not, it matters. Next week, by the way, um, we start our Christmas series, our Advent series. It's going to be a four-week series leading up to Christmas, and then we'll have our Christmas Eve midnight service that we do. It's a tradition. It's been a tradition as long as we've been at church, which I know is not very long, although we're about to turn six, which blows my mind, but thank you, Jesus. But, but we've been doing it every year, and we did it for several years before we even launched out on our own. And that is one of the things that I look forward to every single year. Do I have to stay up until midnight and beyond to do, to do church? Yes. But does it give me something in my heart that I would miss deeply if we didn't do it? Yes. It's my absolute favorite of all the church services we do. It's my favorite. So I want to invite you to be sure and join us. We'll talk more about that. But Christmas, Christmas is a time, by the way, my notes are all over the place because I tried to write it on an app that I don't normally write it on, and then I tried to send it to myself, and so who knows what's going to happen. You may see me tap my iPad and go like, okay, they're gone, so it could happen. But Christmas is a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. It's a time also, though, of traditions and of memories and some traditions are family traditions. Some are more global traditions. One of the things that, that uh, I experienced when we went back to, to visit my mother-in-law is she's got decades and decades and decades of, of memorabilia from all kinds of different things. And one of the things that she gave me, she goes, you may be interested in this. I don't know. She gave me this. This is called a Catholic Missal. Anybody know what a Catholic Missal is? I see, I expected a couple hands over here to go up. It is the St. Joseph Continuous Sunday Missal, is what this is, written in the, in the mid-50s. It was the same in the mid-50s as it probably was in the 1850s, as it probably is today, with 
little or almost no exception. And what it is, it's, it's obviously it's for Catholic churches, right? So we're, we're not going to be using it here. But I want to make a point. <clears throat> you open this up, and what it is, okay, for the first Sunday of Advent, here's what you wear as a priest. Here's what you say. Here's the order of liturgy. Here's everything that happens in a service. It's right here. This is how you do your first Sunday of Advent service. Then you turn the page. Here's the second Sunday of Advent service. And then it goes on. Here's, here's Pentecost. Here's uh, all, all the different... There's things in here that I've never even heard of before. And what's cool about that and what makes my point about that is that if you're Catholic, you know that all over the world, wherever you are, all of the churches are doing more or less the exact same thing on that day. Now, I would argue it takes a little bit of the life out of it. It takes a little bit of the Holy Spirit out of it and tends to move it over towards we're just doing this by rote. But there's huge power in tradition. There's huge power in knowing that your brothers and sisters all over the world are doing the same thing, thinking the same thing. In many cases, praying and, and doing exactly the same thing. And it's comforting to have those traditions. It's comforting to know. It gives structure to our lives. It gives structure to our families. It gives structure to just uh, the more chaotic this world gets, the more structure we need just to help us feel like we are not spinning out of control. It's something we can look forward to. And in some cases, it's something that unites us, if even only for a season. You go to a Bronco, anybody ever been to a live Bronco game or any live sporting event, right? Now, all of a sudden, you have thousands of people who are now your best friends in the world because we're all doing the same thing and we're all cheering the same thing and we're all, we're high-fiving people that we've never met before. And it's all because this, this sporting event drew us in. Wouldn't it be great if church was like that? You walk into a strange church you've never been in your life, and during worship, you're high-fiving the people next to you, and you're chest-bumping people, and you're running around. Somebody would always take it too far. Guaranteed. But this is a group of strangers from nowhere that just come together, and their only common tie is, well, I happen to be from Denver. Okay? I... I'm a fan of the Denver Broncos, have been for as long as I can remember, my entire life. But who do I really root for? Coaches aren't the same. The owners aren't the same. The players aren't the same. They'll be different next year and the year after that. So am I rooting for a, a logo or a name? Why, say the Oakland Raiders, boo, why do people not like the Raiders. Is it what they stand for? It's certainly not the players or the coaches or anything because they, be, they could be our players and coaches next year. It's the tradition of it. And it's what draws us together as a community. Just a commonality of, of who we say that we are. There's family traditions. There's cultural traditions. There's religious traditions. And they all have their positives and negatives. And one of, the, one of the struggles that I had this morning is because of my good friend Andrew Ray sent me a video this morning. 
or sent the page video this morning, and I went, that is perfect for what I want to illustrate. And so we've been, thanks to Jeremy and the tech guys, we were able to scramble and get that on. But check out this video from Fiddler on the Roof. <clears throat> Fiddler on the Roof. Sounds crazy, no? But here, in our little village of Anatevka, you might say every one of us is a fiddler on the roof trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune without breaking his neck. It isn't easy. You may ask, why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous? Well, we stay because Anatevka is our home. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition! traditions. We've kept our balance for many, many years. Here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to sleep, how to eat, how to work, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, Every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. All right. It's a good video, I thought. And a lot of you have these specific traditions that are unique to your family. Anybody go up on the roof with a fiddle? So probably... Probably not many of us do that. But I put out, I put out on social media, and I'm gonna drag my reading glasses out because it's printed out super tiny. Um, some of the things that we have as family traditions. I got one, I uh, said, tamales. A lot of work. Christmas Eve gag gifts. Christmas brunch with kids. Another one, cookie exchange party. Progressive dinner with our close neighborhood friends. Reading from Luke about the birth of Jesus. White elephant exchanges at family gatherings. Visiting my son's church for a candlelight service on Christmas Eve, then dinners out. Swedish pancakes with sausages and grapefruit for Christmas morning. 
decorating the Christmas tree, our church's light tour, reading day of reading the Christmas story. The kids get new Christmas PJs, and I wrap a bunch of new Christmas books to open and read throughout December. How about this one? We would put on Elvis's Christmas record while we decorated the tree. I love that one. I had a couple people go, me too. <laughs> Surprising number of you put on the Elvis Christmas record. Tamales with Mexican hot chocolate. And then my personal favorite, our family has done this for years, Christmas tree cutting. We go out and we cut our own Christmas tree. It's not easy. It's rather difficult and arduous most times, but it's something that our whole family looks forward to every single year. Anybody have any other traditions that they do at their house? I know Pastor Tom does, they celebrate on Christmas Eve, right? And a lot of people do that. A lot of people will, will open one present on Christmas Eve. That's what my parents always did. You get one on Christmas Eve and then the rest are Christmas Day. That's because we were such a pain if we didn't get to open them. But my friends are opening them. Anybody else have anything they want to shout out? All right. Covered, covered a lot of them here. Paul said this about traditions. Traditions can be good or bad. They can be life-giving. They can be pretty much dead. But Paul said this, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. They seem kind of important. If Paul's going to say that. Traditions are an anchor to our life, an anchor to our past, an anchor to our culture. They help form structure and foundations um, for our family and our society. And many of them can be the same as, as they were when we were children and when our parents were children. And our children will then grow up to observe these traditions. They remind us that we're a part of something beyond just ourselves. We're a part of a continuous history. It defines our past it shapes who we are today, and it helps guide us as we move into the future. And sometimes even the tiny little things help keep us on track in a world that is just crazy. And maybe most importantly, I googled the importance of traditions. And of course, they're all over the place, right? Both good and bad. But the one common theme that carried through all of them is it gives a common sense of identity. And whether that common sense of identity is just my family identity, this is who our family is, this is what our family does, or again, cultural, this is what we do in the U.S., or this is what we do in Colorado, and then religious, religious identity, who we are in Christ and it's so important to understand them and to hang on to them, but to understand why we hang on to them and make sure that if we are hanging on to traditions that we're doing it for the right reason. Because for every scripture 
that you can find in the Bible that talks about the importance of remembering who you are. Remember where you came from. Remember your traditions. There's an equal number that says, why are you hanging on to these dead traditions? For instance, when confronted by a tradition that was not honoring to the intent of God's word, Jesus said this, Matthew 15, 1 through 3, I'll read it for you. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, why do you yourselves also break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And then he goes on to chastise them for the things that they do, picking and choosing traditions that, that work, and yet then condemning someone else because they don't follow this certain tradition that is important to them. It seems to contradict what Paul is saying, doesn't it? But what Jesus is saying here is that traditions done by rote without an understanding of why you do them, they can lose their meaning or change meaning entirely. Or even worse, they can be used to bring death and not life. The truth is, many holidays are becoming so commercialized that the meaning of them has entirely gotten lost. If we're just strictly talking about holidays now, not when we open presents or what we eat on Christmas or the holidays or things like that, a lot of us can't even really remember the true meaning of a lot of holidays. Sure, Christmas is easy, okay? Christmas is easy. Can anybody tell me the origin of the Memorial Day holiday? We all know kind of roughly vaguely what it's about, right? Anybody just know Memorial Day is kind of the unofficial beginning of summer? That's what a lot of people call it or how they think of it. It was actually in 1868, and it was instituted to commemorate the sacrifice of Civil War soldiers. That's how it started. And obviously it has, it has uh, slowly changed into a, into a bigger picture. But a lot of people don't even understand that part of it. How about Labor Day? Anybody tell me the origin of Labor Day? We do it every year. Most of us get a day off of work, right? Again, it goes back to the 1800s. 1894, Congress declared it, and it was to honor the nation's workers and their contribution to modern society. That's where Labor Day came from. It actually was instituted by a riot in 1886. Anybody heard of the Chicago Haymarket riots? I didn't think so, but now you have. That's where it actually all stemmed from. But now we just think of it as the end of summer, more often than not. Okay, as I said, Christmas is a little bit easier. How about Easter? I think we all understand what Easter is about, at least in our minds, right? Did you know that it originated as a pagan holiday? It was a pagan celebration, celebrating the spring equinox. Now let's go, let's drill down even more into Easter. Let's talk about Easter eggs. Where did eggs come in? There are 
Christians who have gone, okay, it represents the beginning of life with Jesus. And I think they're reaching a little bit to try and find some symbolism with Christ. But it actually goes back, the Easter egg goes back to ancient Babylon. All the way back to ancient Babylon. They believed that an egg fell from heaven into the Euphrates River and hatched. And hatched specifically the goddess of fertility. The goddess of fertility's name is Ishtar. And Ishtar is where the word Easter comes from. So all these things that we celebrate, do we really understand where they came from? And does that make it a bad thing? Now going, okay, now as Pastor Bob saying that since this is all a, a pagan celebration and the goddess of fertility, should we not celebrate Easter anymore? Absolutely not. But we need to understand why we celebrate Easter and not just do it blindly. We do the same thing with trunk or treat out here. Trunk or treat comes from trick or treat, and we could go all the way back and talk about all that, but most of us know that in general it's a celebration of the dead and dead and dark things and all this. But we, as Christians, use it for something different. We use it for an outreach. We use it to bring people in to the church, bring people into our parking lot in this case, who would never come near a church. And we get to show them, look, we're a bunch of Christians and we're not any weirder than you are. (laughs) And we can have fun and we can be life-giving. Now, if what's in your heart is a constant stress over, am I celebrating and lifting up pagan cultures? Am Am I doing evil things? Then don't do it. But the way we do it We do it with an intentionality that what the enemy intended for evil, we're going to use for good. And there was a lot of good that came out of that. I'm going to tell you more about that in just a minute. Even Christmas wreaths and trees had their beginnings in pagan culture. It just means that we should examine our reasons for observing them. Philippians 4, 4 through 9 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. This is the important part here. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, Brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence and if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. As for the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and let the God of peace be with you. He's saying, look, if, if the things that you're doing are causing your mind to go somewhere where it shouldn't be, or you're thinking of it in a a way that you just can't get past, then don't think about that. Don't participate in that. But if you look at it and go, look, I look forward to this every year. I think a Christmas tree is beautiful. I think a wreath on the door is a wonderful symbol of Christmas. I'm not going to sit and dwell on the pagan origins of that because it can't hurt me. 
unless I let it hurt me. It can't hurt anyone around me unless I bludgeon them with the idea that this is a pagan celebration and you really shouldn't be doing it. There's always one of those in a crowd. With the correct mindset and with intentionality in what we do, they can be life-giving, unifying, and a blessing to everyone around. In themselves, they are powerless. It's the importance that we ascribe to it. It's our mindset. So if we see a Christmas tree and our mind goes to, that's a pagan symbol, that's not good for you. Keep it to yourself because that's what scripture says. Stop thinking about it like that because you're thinking about it like that. You're posting, you all know that it's a pagan symbol, right? On social media, which will happen a thousand times this year, is not bringing life to anyone. Nobody's gonna look at that and go, you know, you're right. Let's throw out all the trappings of Christmas. If it doesn't bring life to you, stop thinking about it and don't bring death to the people around you. Here's what Jeremiah said about that. And this isn't just Pastor Bob says we should. The prophet Jeremiah said this. Actually, the Lord said it to him and he repeated it to the people. Jeremiah 10 one through five. Hear what the Lord says to you, people of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the heavens, though the nations are terrified by them. For the practices of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nails so it will not totter like a scarecrow. In a cucumber field, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. It's just a symbol. The good or bad that comes from observing traditions, whether they're family or cultural or religious, is the fruit born in our hearts while we observe them. Paul said this, Romans 8, 28, a lot of them, a lot of, a lot of them, those people, a lot of us have heard this. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. With a dark heart and with a critical heart and with a divisive heart, the fruit of observing all the trappings of tradition is going to be darkness. And with a pure heart, with a light heart, the fruit of observing all of those trappings is going to be unity and life. But here's what's important. If you're indifferent, if you don't know, if you haven't taken the time to really think about the intentionality of why do we do this? Is it giving life? Is it not giving life? There's no in-between because with an indifferent heart, the enemy is free to choose how he uses it. We need to know that. And that goes through every aspect of the life of a Christian. If you go through life on autopilot, we just do it because that's how we always do it. Then the enemy can choose how that gets used. That goes all the way down to the communion that we serve every single service. It could just be by rote. And I try to say, now's the time we're going to take communion. Let's just don't do it because that means service is almost over. 
it should mean something in your heart. And I try to make sure that I relay that every single time because Satan will attack traditions. And he does it because he prefers division and chaos. Look at how history in the world is being canceled right now. All of the history, everything that, that in my life I've ever held as, as dear to me is being attacked and is being canceled. Again, Halloween is one of those things. I grew up enjoying Halloween. I didn't think about any dark meaning. I got to dress up and go get candy. It was fun. But then all of a sudden my eyes are opened and I'm like, it means something more than just that. What is it going to mean to me? And what's it going to mean to my family? Because some people might look at it from the dark side. The vast majority, I would bet you, look at it from, we get to have fun. It's a thing our kids get to go do and have fun. But it depends on how you look at it. There's light that can come from it. Let me share you a story Uh, there it is, there's my iPad issue just popping up. When we had Trunk or Treat this past year, a lot of you know um, that we had to cancel it the first day because the weather was horrendous. So I came and I sat in in a car all by myself out there in the parking lot because I'm like, if somebody comes, didn't get the memo and they show up, I don't want them to just come and go, oh, well, church flaked on us and we're not having, I guess we're just not doing it. So I sat out there, only one car came. That one car pulled up front, couldn't get in the parking lot because it was full of snow, parked up front, pulled up right next to me, and I got to have a conversation with these people. It was two young girls, two young girls with a rare blood disorder that every month they had to come into town, come into Denver, they didn't live in Denver, they had to come into Denver and get a blood transfusion, a complete blood transfusion. And they would come in and they would stay at the Ronald McDonald house that's all the way out in Aurora. That's where they would stay. And they saw on social media that we were having trunk or treat that night. And they said, we're in town, we can do it. So the two little girls, they must have been eight, seven, eight years old, borrowed outfits from the Ronald McDonald house and drove all the way over here. And they show up and there's nothing happening except God used that moment because I was able to tell the mom, are you okay if we just pray together? So she rolled down the window. She opened the big sliding door where the, where the two little girls were. And we just prayed. We just prayed that God would, would heal them, would give them favor, would give them peace we had a wonderful time. And I said, you know, I know it's a long drive, but if you can come back tomorrow, I promise you, we'll have more going on tomorrow. By the way, they, I had a big bowl of candy. I said, take all you can carry. So they left with that. They came back the next day. So those of you who were here for Trunk or Treat, I guarantee that you saw them walking around. They borrowed some different costumes because the other ones were out. And, and they came that way, and they got to walk around and talk to all these people, knowing that these people cared enough to invite them here, to pray for them, to put this whole thing on for them, and it meant something. I talked to the mom. The girls 
girls were kind of oblivious, to be honest. They just knew that they got candy twice instead of once. But it meant something to the mom. Having a whole church full of people pray for them and love them and give them a little bit of comfort in a time that was chaos for them. So those traditions can either facilitate unity or division. It's just a framework for what happens around them. Getting together for Thanksgiving, getting together for trunk or treat, whatever we do, sports activities, it's a framework for how we use them, for where our heart is. And if we let our hearts go to a dark and divisive place, that's what they'll all be. If we look at it as an anchor that brings unity and life, that's what it's going to be. And if we let go of those traditions, those ones that give us a sense of unity in favor of idolizing our busy lives, because let's be honest, the reason a lot of us don't do those things is because I'm just too busy. Then our busyness and our life becomes an idol. And if we let that dictate we let that dictate what we participate in and how we think about it, then we're just letting the enemies, the enemy decide how that goes. We can't let current trends, we can't let our busyness intrude on and shape how our families live life. On a cultural level, traditions, letting them be erased can divide us, it can isolate us. If we forget our history, Anybody ever heard this quote? Those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it. The more we let our traditions and our history be belittled and ridiculed and just erased, the more we're doomed to repeat it. And all of those, all the mistakes and pains and growth of the past are going to be in vain. Look at the Hebrew culture has so many holidays that are just there to remind them of where they came from and who they are. And don't let yourself go back to that place. We don't have that much. But on a spiritual level, traditions connect us to our past, connect us to the worldwide body of Christ. Now, I want to share, we're on, the, we're on the last little stretch here. I told you when I was Googling things about traditions, there's this one fairly well-known cultural influencer, I'll just use in air quotes, who said this about traditions. Traditions can unite. They can bond us. They can inspire. Famously laced by institutions of valor and moral principles down to household codes of conduct. They can offer a strong link to mindsets that share our history. They can help us understand the root of our actions. All right, so they got me now, right? I'm reading the article. I read that and I go, okay, let's, let's see where she's going with this. I, I like it so far. Despite those rich positives, they're a heavy anchor on this huge ship of ever-evolving life, holding us in mental stagnation while we desperately want to move forward. So say it with me, traditions are mostly terrible. <laughs> but it's not your fault you've put your trust in traditionalism. You've been a victim of the name game, fell for an expertly crafted marketing strategy. 
This little buzzword allows you to pass down half-cocked, unfounded, best-guessed protocol and outdated thinking under the radar with pride. Tradition is a perfectly branded word. It seems powerful, inspirational, sensitive, and mostly it presents as very harmless. Words you would hear most commonly associated with the word tradition are probably heritage, customs, and maybe even belief. These words, again, arguably not terrible words and definitely don't come across as harmful to most, but here's another list of closely associated words in kind. Habit, ritual, institutional, conditioning. That list probably causes a bit more panic in the or a bit more pause in the harmless department of the brain, but still they're basically interchangeable with the word tradition. She goes on and on to then explain how we should just throw out every tradition. So the question, though, is this. Are we going to let the traditions that unite us, inspire us, and ground us in a commonality of moral principles be eroded and ultimately stolen by an enemy that wants nothing more than to divide and conquer the children of God. 1 John 4, 2-4 says this, By this you know the Spirit of God, and every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you. If you are a children, a child of God, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So when you look at the things of the world and you see darkness there, don't participate in it. Or better yet, take it and use it for good. Because that's where, that's where we get the date for Christmas, the date for Easter, all of these things that we celebrate as Christians. We get those dates and those times and those celebrations because hundreds and thousands of years ago, people decided, you know, we're going to take this, this celebration of Christ and we're going to piggyback it right onto that thing of darkness and we'll see which prevails. So when we look at all these things that had their origin in pagan cultures, we hardly think of that anymore. You have to Google it and research and do this, nobody thinks of that anymore because Christ has overcome. And our mindset to see Easter as a celebration of the risen Christ has overcome any of the pagan symbolism. And our looking at Christmas and wreaths and trees as a celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that has far overcome all of the symbology that some pagans would assign to it. We get to decide. We get to decide. So as we go into Christmas, as we go into all the things that you're going to see, let's not listen to Christmas music at the mall and go, seriously, already? Okay, which, by the way, it's been for a month now. That's what I used to do. But now I look at it and I go, look at all these people listening to Christmas music. They don't even know it. And it's been happening for months. I want to invite you to attend our Advent series. 
I know Christmas is a busy time. This is a busy season, but don't let the busyness of this season detract from the joy that is coming together and celebrating the birth of our Savior. I want to also encourage you to invite a friend. You may have heard a couple weeks ago, I think it was, we talked about, look, and if you came to the newcomers or new members meeting, you heard this. We need to grow our church just a little. 10 families, 15 families, very little to help us make ends meet, make the economy of scale work for us, and to share who we are with more people. We need to do that. It could be just as easy as this time of year. Think of a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, and invite them to church. It's not your job to convince them this is the place to be, but it is our job to invite them. Just come, just come and taste, come and see. That's our job. And maybe that'll start a new tradition in their lives. Let's see what God offers and how it is far better than what the world has. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. Thank you that we can come together and celebrate you. And that no matter what the world says, no matter how the world celebrates, no matter how the world spends their days, we can take those very things and we can use them to glorify you. So help us go into this season with a mindset, let everything that we do, let every decoration, every song we sing, every present that we wrap, every interaction with family, friends, coworkers, let them bring glory to you. Let's not give any credit to the enemy in his darkness. Let's praise the light that is in you. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, we're going to take communion now. And as I said, don't look at it as like, okay, that means, because some of you said, okay, that means five minutes and we're out of here. Don't look at it like that. We are taking a moment, an intentional moment to celebrate, to partake in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ who gave everything for you on the cross. He knew that some of you would accept his gift. He knew that some of you would outright reject his gift. And he knew that many would be lukewarm about that gift. But he still gave it for everyone. And so if you're here and you say, yes, Christ is my Lord and Savior, that I want you to take the time and be intentional about coming up, taking communion, and thanking Christ for what he did because it's because of him that we are able to get together and do this. It's because of him that we are not given over to darkness. It's because of him that we have victory. So let's be thankful about that. Now I would say let's keep the high fives and the chest bumps to a minimum because there's food out and you know people don't expect it. But that should be our mindset. Right? We have victory. Let's celebrate that victory by taking communion together. Amen? Thank you, guys.